but he would he would like come across the room and he would literally like fly across the room and pounce and it was this it was like in an instant like in an instant and his eyes would glow red and so we still can't figure out what exactly he was but he clearly had supernatural powers however the name of Jesus would bring him to his knees and this is important for the listeners so the most high level demon in this very high level satanic cult that involved mafia and freemasons and politicians the name of Jesus would bring this demon or man or whatever to his knees he would get very angry when i prayed because when they would come after the kids i would step in front of them many times and i would and they would say to me well then you have to take the punishment and i would take it for some of the other kids because i hated that they got hurt and the kids i i tended to be a bit of a mother figure to the to the kids and so i would have them do stuff to me instead of the other kids and i would take some of the torture so that the kids didn't have to and i don't know what they did to them after but i would pray with the kids sometimes and when i did he would start screaming and then all of a sudden this light came through and it was almost like this i didn't hear anything it was a feeling it was like this peace but it didn't fit because it was torment all around me and then there was this like peaceful light that just kind of shot through me and it happened so fast and it threw salt and pepper back with that thing in his hand that was inside of me tearing me it threw him back right on his ass holding us and then all of a sudden this light came through Welcome back to Blurry Creatures. This week we have a complicated episode, to say the least. Um, sometimes Luke and I get emails and we have to make the call. A lot of times we don't bring stuff on our show. Not sure. Just have to kind of go with our intuition and judgment on things. We don't try to sensationalize anything on this podcast. Sometimes we try take risks and bring on legit as, as legit stories as we can. This, we got an email from two ladies who found each other later on in life who had been through satanic ritual abuse. And one of them, who's now a doctor, she didn't have the dissociative identity disorder and she remembers a lot of what she experienced. And she's never told her story before. And they're older women, they're mothers of their own. And we just hope that you have an open mind and listen to this nobody wants to talk about these things and in so in so many ways we didn't want our podcast to go here but if you want to know where these creatures come from and how they fit into this story and that it's not just rogue cryptids out there all you have to go here and this is the power of the gospel this is the power of overcoming horrific evil in our world and it's very applicable to what's going on and some of the people trying to raise the alarm right now about what's happening to kids out there. So listen to this one with an open mind. Thank you for these two women who came on our show. Luke and I feel they're very genuine and they didn't ask for anything. They didn't ask for any money. They didn't ask for any accolades. They didn't even want their full names on there. They were just, here's our honest story. Do with it what you can. So if this is your first time listening to Blurry Creatures and you have children, especially, this is not the episode for them. And this might not be the episode for you. 
It takes a lot of episodes to get your mind ready for what you're about to hear. So don't write us off completely. Go back and listen to some of the other stuff first. Yeah, I say all that because this is hard. It's hard to hear. It's hard to interview. It's hard to believe that it's true. But I think our heart, as always, is to find better answers on Blurry Creatures. So with that, let's get these women on the show and hear their story. Thank you so much for those who support the podcast and help us do this. Pray for us. Send us messages. Um, buy merch and t-shirts. You guys have just you supported everything we do. And we can't say thank you enough. And for those who take a, a chance to, to air their story for the first time on our show, thank you. Thank you for being brave. And uh, hope, hope you learned something from this one. Thank you. The history of our Earth is so different from what we can imagine. Enjoy the journey. The Smithsonian, that if they found out about a large skeleton somewhere, was to go get it. I'm going to assume at least one person is right, because if one person's right, it busts the paradigm. It all goes back to the fallen chair. And the problem with the modern-day church, they have a very truncated view of the supernatural. This backdrop is just pregnant with all kinds of meaning associated with this Mount Hermon event. And this guy defects from the kingdom. That's a big deal. Actually, I just had given birth to my youngest daughter. It was um, probably April of 2009. And we actually, as uh, victims of SRA, satanic ritual abuse, we don't actually sleep. um, And I think a lot of us don't sleep. But one of the uh, side effects of the programs is that they torture you by um, never allowing you to sleep. So we spent most of our life awake, like literally we'll go months without sleeping and that's not uncommon. So I was up at, it was exactly like 3am in the morning. And, um, I had this yard that had a meadow and then it had a pond right in my backyard. And then there was a trail that, um, was behind the pond. And then there was a river behind the trail and then woods. So I had all kinds of water sources, woods and everything. And it was a full moon. And so the, the yard was lit up beautifully and I was looking outside I was up as I always am. And I was looking into the, the backyard, which you could see the pond very clearly. You could see the trail very clearly. And all of a sudden, and I wasn't looking for Bigfoot. I didn't expect it. And just like you were saying on one of the last podcasts I listened to, there's some people that go their whole lives mm-hmm. looking for Bigfoot, never find him. And then there's some, yeah. a lady that will drive by and hit Bigfoot like eight times or whatever. But, um, <laughs> yeah that's the truth yeah or people say they live with them like you're like there was a guy there was a guy we met at tim alberino's conference it was here in nashville he the birthright conference and he he basically gave us his card and said he lives with a family of bigfoot and i mean <laughs> which, we were early on too and i was just like oh okay like how's how's that you know I, anyway it's uh 
I believe anything at this point. Trust me, we've seen so much. Yeah. <laughs> I believe anything. So I was mm. looking, and I always look out into the woods when I couldn't sleep, and I would just go outside. I literally would just go outside and just lay on the ground, whether it was snowing or raining or whatever, and just stay and just pray all night long. And um, I was looking, and I all of a sudden I saw this huge. I knew it was Bigfoot immediately. There was no question in my mind ape-like man creature and i could even see the color of his hair which was like a chestnut like a chestnut reddish brown and i would say he was probably about seven feet and he was like run like i would call it a trot because he wasn't running fast but he was definitely running galloping yeah like a gallop (laughs) gallop (laughs) that's an inside joke um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> on the path and but the weird thing this is what's weird and i've never heard anyone say this who's seen big fit and i will stand by this because i saw what i saw he was using his he had long arms and he was using his arms to run you know i, I don't know if you can like a gorilla it. like kind of like a gorilla does or like, a chimp? like a gorilla yeah yeah and i've never heard anyone else say that but that's what he was doing. And he was, and he was running, he was going fast because he was tall and he had a longer stride. And I was looking at him going, Oh my God, no one's going to believe me. No one's going to believe me. And I just was staring at him in awe. And I had my camera in the other room and I'm like, I was trying, I was vacillating in my mind, whether or not I should go get the camera. Cause I'm like, if I get the camera, I'm going to miss this whole thing. If I don't get the camera, I won't get it on film but I'll get to see all of what happens, you know? <laughs> so um, I stood there for a while and I watched him like trotting and he was trotting like on the path, which was kind of funny. Cause I'm like, I, let me tell you, I watched that path like two, three times a day. And at nighttime I would walk that path every single single night. And it was very ironic thinking he uses the same path I do into the woods. And, um, hmm. I watched him for a couple of minutes and then I went to turn to towards my door. Cause I'm like, I'm going to get my camera. And then I'm like, no, I shouldn't. And I turned back and I saw him pick up his run and he dashed off the path, like into some brush into the, which led into like the woods and sort of like uh, a wet area where there was like a little bit of river, but not a lot of river. And that was the last of it, but I've never been able to walk through those woods the same way again, knowing that, well, if there's one, there's probably others. There's probably more. <laughs> did you, did, you know, people often talk about like, did it, did, was there any smells yeah. or did it make any, I didn't make smell any noises? I inside. So okay. Oh, you're inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you hear anything though? Was it like, was it yelling at you? Or? Nope. And he was minding his own business. He was completely unaware of me. But um, I saw him very clearly because it was a big, huge full moon, and it was shining right down on That's that wild. path. That's mm. wild. Yeah, it was pretty cool. When did this happen? Uh, this was in 2009. Probably, I think like it was in either <clears throat> April or May because my daughter was born in April, and I was she was you know an infant, and I was up. Mm. Yeah. Hey, nothing did like you, starting you, off. Hey, nothing like starting off an episode with a Bigfoot encounter. It's phenomenal. I know, but I'm sure you probably you said you didn't. You didn't think about Bigfoot before that, or? Well, I, I believed. I never thought about Bigfoot. I be- totally believed in him, just because there's been very many supernatural things that have happened in our lives. Mm. Um, I believed in him, but I never gave him a second thought. It wasn't a subject that I spoke about ever. It wasn't anything I researched. But after that, of course, I did. Yeah, mm. that's somewhat of a, tra- a transition into. I know the the not so fun part of the the story today, which is. 
you know, all the things that you guys have experienced. And I don't know how to, these are, these are tough to- conversations to have, and I don't know where you want to start. I know we've, we've talked to Laura in depth about, you know, she brought on, I think that was the first time we actually had a survivor on Luke. Yeah, with Al. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, it's sensitive information and a sensitive topic, but thanks for coming on the show and be willing to talk about some of these things that we talk about on our show. I don't think Luke and I anticipated that, you know, when we were talking about, originally we started this podcast talking about Bigfoot and sightings and things like that, that, that people would want to come on and share other things that, that are related to the blurry the blurry creatures out there, so to speak. So yes. So I will, I'm going to start and segue into Michelle because she's going to be the one who's mostly talking because she has most of the memories, but um, Mm. I just wanted to let you guys know as a preface, a couple of things. Um, First, um, we're both Christians and we believe in the power and the authority Mm. of the name of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And Mm. that is exactly what freed both of us. And, um, Mm. Uh, and quite literally she had a supernatural experience which we will get into in the middle of the woods during a ceremony that actually freed her um so we are devout christians we know that the only name that has authority over satan and his demons is the name of jesus so we wanted to establish that Mm. secondly we know um especially after listening to Dr. Lauren L. Um, I, we know that there are millions and millions of people who have experienced satanic ritual abuse out there who actually don't know it and they have no memory of it and they might have nightmares at night and they don't know why they might have weird <laughs> health problems. They might have be actually very tortured souls without knowing why, or maybe they think that they came from an abusive household because they did, but that's just a cover for what really happened, you know? And we, we're speaking to them today. We're speaking to the unheard voices, the souls who have been tortured, who feel like even if they do remember that they can't possibly share this because no one will believe them, or there'll be an assignment against them from the enemy if they do share it because the enemy doesn't want this to be told and um so these uh this story or these stories today are for those people out there um we encourage them um whoever they are if they're listening to reach out to us to um find a relationship with jesus christ as their Mm -hmm. lord and savior because deliverance is the only thing that can set them free um michelle And I have never spoken about this to anyone. Um, And her story is tremendous. And this is the first time she has spoken. She has been under attack by the enemy all week because um, they don't want her speaking about this and having a voice. This is going to be very difficult for her. Um, Very difficult. We prayed before we got on, by the way. And also, you're going to notice that we speak about it, and, and I won't, she'll do most of the speaking, but I may jump in occasionally. But when she's telling her story, or we're telling her story, or our story, we're going to sound very disconnected emotionally from it. And they call it flat effect, but it's only because that's the only way we can get through telling it without falling apart. Mm-hmm. So it's not that, oh, we're faking it, this didn't happen. They're speaking about these rituals or sacrifices or cannibalism or, or the cryptids as if it, they're reading off a grocery list. We have to, um, she has to, in order to survive and get through it. You have to remove yourself. But 
but she and I cry together all the time and we hold each other and we cry and we pray. And that's really what it's like. Mm. But, you know, for this presentation, it's not going to be like that. It's probably going to be very um, without emotion. That's on purpose. Mm. So um, I'm glad you guys have each other and you guys. You're so lucky. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm glad you still have your faith. You know, I think a lot of people going through these things that they could easily get angry at God about it and, and walk away. So. That's exactly what they try to do, and they include um, a lot of Christian uh, ceremonies and rituals in it so that you associate uh, Christianity and Jesus with traumatic torture. But um, mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you the outline of what we're going to get into so you guys know ahead of time where we're going with this, and the listener can know where we're going with it. And then I'm going to hand it over to Michelle. Uh, she's actually Dr. Michelle, by the way, but I call her Michelle. But um uh, there's um, her whole family was involved, including her grandmother, her parents, her brother. There's going to be a house that was the porno house, we're going to call it. Um, there's going to be the warehouse. Um, that's where a lot of the children were kept in cages and a lot of the ceremonies happened and a lot of the torture. They had medical rooms in the warehouse. Um, so the doctors and nurses were on staff around the clock. There's going to be Disneyland and then Disney World. There's going to be the woods where there were a lot of cryptids in the woods uh, involved. And there's going to be in the caves and there's a lot of cryptids in the caves involved. So um, with that, I'm going to hand it over to Michelle. I don't really know where you want me to start. Do you mm -hmm. want me to just start like kind of a general overview of what happened? Yeah, I mean, it's so hard for us because like, I mean, what we usually do in these situations is just kind of give you guys the floor. Because, um, I mean, I know you talk about, you know, being sort of emotionally disconnected from the stories, but I think Luke and I are going to try to be emotionally sensitive to the story, you know, and I don't, I don't want to talk to you like a podcaster and like try to get, you know, the details. I just, whatever you want to talk about, because I know both of us haven't experienced anything like this. So I, I you know, I, I feel like whatever you want to talk about and whatever you feel is relatable sure. to people and i we're just appreciative of of some of these recounts of these stories you know so but yeah, no, i appreciate you guys bringing light to this too i mean it needs to be talked about yeah so I, please feel free to jump in and like okay ask me any questions stop me i, sure. I you know it doesn't okay me. okay okay um, i wrote some notes so if you see me looking away i'm not trying okay. to no problem <laughs> no, no, no. It's disrespectful there's a lot of information here no but i i, th uh, I think dr Marcel, if you want to if you do want to start with like a you know because if you're listening to a story like contextually just provide a little context maybe a little bit over you like it might, might sure. be helpful just so people can kind of set yeah, themselves sure. in the space you know so um so i went basically this whole thing started as far back as i remember my earliest memories were my father touching me on the changing table so I remember that. And then by the time I was three, he started raping me. Mm -hmm. And um, that went on. I lived in Western New York and there was a huge ring, a, a huge, huge ring that went on that to my understanding is still going on. Mafia, doctors, politicians, like a lot of really big people that came in. And so my, my father was doing this to me and he started taking me to what Cheryl referred to as the porno house, just because we're trying to separate this so it makes sense uh, when I tell the story. And at this house, there were a lot of very high-level politicians, doctors, lawyers that came in, and they would make movies with us, and, and they would drug us. And there were many children 
that were there. Hmm. This went on for for quite a while. And so they would drug us. They would um, have us do things to each other, the kids. There were snuff films. The children. Um, there were clergy that would come in from from churches and, and a lot of mafia and a, and a lot of a lot of things like that. At home, my brother, who was five years older than me, was also um, raping me and hurting me on the side. He was also involved in this porno house as well. Um, my father's sister, brothers, like people, it was just so many people involved. And her father's sister was a nurse. Mm-hmm. And they had, yeah. um, you know, like like Michelle was saying, a lot of high level people. This was a very high level organization. So they had doctors on staff and nurses on staff to administer drugs or to, you know, help with whatever. Who were right. also very involved with the satanic. Like they were part of this um, satanic. Uh, I don't know if you would call it a coven, but they also would do the ceremonies and stuff as well. So we were as children. They taught and forced us to torture each other. And then one of the ways they would keep us quiet is by blaming me and saying that it was my fault or I wanted it. There were times they'd cut the power and they would do like a hunger Games scenario where they would make us crawl around on our hands and knees and they would chase us. They had. Mm. Okay. So there's, yeah, the, some of it's hard for her to say there was like bestiality, forced bestiality forced. They would force the children and they would separate the, they would know immediately who were the weak-willed children and who were the strong-willed. Michelle was one of the strong-willed children, so she was one of the... And not that there's a correlation between one of the chosen and what their wills were, but she was also one of the chosen ones. We don't, to this day, understand what that means, if it's bloodline or whatever, but they've always taken her blood and her urine. But they would have, like, forced them into bestiality and force the children to torture each other because then they would say to the children Mm. to break their will is see look you're just like one of us you know Mm. you killed her you know um you are evil like us you know you're one of us you're going to come to our side you know and and work on them psychologically so whether they came to their side or not if they didn't they'd be tortured for the rest of their lives thinking they're an abuser or murderer and whatever you want to call it um so so this went on simultaneously at this, like at the same time that there was the warehouse and at the warehouse. So I was, they were taking me and what they would do is they would drug me. My father would come into my room at night. They would drug, he would drug me. And then I would, I would come to in the back of a trunk of a vehicle. And I used to listen. So I wouldn't panic because I would be bound and gagged in the back of a, mm. of, a, of a car. And I would listen for the sounds, you know, that a car makes. Right. And I would count how many times we stopped. And I would just learn to focus on the details. And I used to pray a lot. I used to just pray a lot. Mm. Um, and I grew up in church, not huge religion, but like I grew up Presbyterian at a church. And I just knew that I loved God and I wanted to pray. Wow. And so I would pray. And that was the only hope I had was to pray. And you, it sounds like you remember everything. It sounds like you have, I mean, you obviously as a baby and changing table, you have this. And I think that's, that's probably how the harder part is that you do remember everything. But a lot of people in this situation, they don't, they don't remember anything. I didn't remember everything at first though. This okay. came through tears. Okay. This wasn't just, I remembered, I didn't remember for a long time and I drank and I drugged and I did all sorts of stuff in my early adulthood because I couldn't handle these big feelings that were coming up and I would have these flashes. I mean, I was in college doing a really hard, you know, really difficult uh, career 
And I was having memories popping up nonstop. And I was going to a counselor at my college to be able to process this and do 33 credits every trimester in college. And it was insane. Mm -hmm. Um, So this came through many, many years. And a lot of the SRA stuff came when I met Cheryl because she started asking questions and started seeing things. And then it was like a dam unleashed and everything just came through. So this has been a process. It wasn't all at once. Wow. And why do you think when they're doing this to children, when they, when they're taking children into these places that there is some sort of map or some sort of system that they're doing it, or are they just randomly doing crazy stuff? I think there's a system. I mean, even with this warehouse, like they, they started taking me again, my earliest memories. So I had two ongoing situations. There was this, for lack of a better term, this porno house. And it was like this kind of drug infected apartment in downtown Niagara Falls that they would take me to. And then there was this huge warehouse. And this was the place where all the other stuff happened. And this warehouse, again, I would be drugged, put in the back, you know, the trunk of a car. So I never knew where it was. And I would be carried in and there was this huge warehouse And there was a pentagram on the floor. There was a a huge bed in the center of it. There were cages in the corner that they would keep the kids in, um, including me sometimes. Hundreds of cages. There was a hallway with many rooms. And in some rooms, there would be medical, you know, that we would have to get medical care. In other rooms, they would do like put up videos and they they would brainwash us and try to say things in our ears. In another room, they would put electrodes on my head. And monitor brain activity. They would take my blood and urine all the time. And I never knew why, um, but they kept telling me that I was very important. Interesting. Scroll down. And then, scroll down. Yeah. And then there was, um, there were a lot of children here. And this is where the mainstay happened. They would put swarms of bees into the cages to terrify us. They would have cattle prods that they would poke. I said they had nurses and, and things and doctors on staff to perform abortions and different things like that. They had uh, women who taught us how to do things sexually. And, and there, was, there was a group of men, and one of them in particular, and, and I don't know his name because they weren't allowed to use names, but I referred to him as salt and pepper because of the color of his hair. And he was, he was the main guy there. And everybody would kind of bow to him and serve him. And he was the one who would perform rituals and do things. And um, he would, he would actually, we don't know if he was a man who was demon possessed or if he was a demon who came in the form of man, but he would shapeshift all the time into cryptic creatures and also into demons. And he would fly across the room and he would manifest things like scrolls and, and, and satanic Bibles. And all of a sudden, like, you know, he would have her sign oaths and, and she'll get into that, but he would manifest it and would just appear like hovering in the air. And he would like literally the, the pen or the, the blood would be signing like by itself. And he would, I mean, he would terrorize her, but he was very, very, very high up. And we don't know to this day, if he was a man who was just literally, quite literally possessed, but there was, and we'll get to this at some point, we trying to stay in order, but there, we don't know if he, Satan was manifesting through him or if he was Satan as a man, because there was a ceremony at, which we'll get to, but that when she got her period, they had a satanic bridal ceremony and she married him. And so we still can't figure out 
what exactly he was, but he clearly had supernatural powers, incredible supernatural powers. However, the name of Jesus would bring him to his knees. And this is important for the listeners. The most high-level demon in this very high-level satanic cult that involved mafia and Freemasons and politicians, the name of Jesus Mm. would bring this demon or man or whatever to his knees. He would get very angry when I prayed because when they would come after the kids, I would step in front of them many times. And I would, and they would say to me, well, then you have to take the punishment. And I would take it for some of the other kids <clears throat> because I hated that they got hurt. And the kids, I, I tended to be a bit of a mother figure to the, to the kids. And so I would have them do stuff to me instead of the other kids. And I would take some of the torture so that the kids didn't have to. And I don't know what they did to them after, but I would pray with the kids sometimes. And when I did, he would start screaming. And the men would get really angry and, and like, they didn't like me praying at all. They would get very, very angry. Jesus and-, wow. and so whenever I prayed, I would get yelled at um, and screamed at. And, and so this whole process happened and there'd be a lot of people who came into the warehouse. There was, it was always a very busy place. There were a lot of men. Um, the women tended to be the caretakers. You know, they were the ones who were like teaching us or giving us some kind of false comfort there were a lot of drugs. I was drugged a lot. I know I was impregnated many times. I said when I got my cycle, they had a big ceremony, like celebrating it. And that salt and pepper guy um, raped me and started howling afterwards. Ma'am. Like an animal. And and there was and his eyes would turn um, turn red. They would glow. And he would I know this sounds crazy. Listen, I know it no. this took me so long to finally be able to but, say mm. this is real and do you understand why people would be afraid to come forward of with course, this yeah. Yeah. because it does sound crazy but she's not crazy we're not crazy and whoever's listening out there you're not crazy you're not crazy but he would he mm. would like come across the room and he would literally like fly across the room and pounce and it was this it was like in an instant like in an instant and his eyes would glow red um and there and other kids are saying this too, or are you by by yourself with him? No, there were other kids saying this. There were other people in the room that saw all this. I said there was a there was a huge main room where they had this bed always set up. Wow. There was always a bed, a huge bed, and that's where they did a lot of this. And they also had different um slabs of cement that they would do, uh, I think like giving birth and other horrible things on. And then they had a pentagram in the center on the ground. It was like carved into the ground. And they would get robes on and they would stand and do different um yeah different speak, rituals speak in demonic tongues they would they would um when they would abort a child from me Ugh. they would take the blood and they would like they would do a whole ceremony on my body and they would force me to, to eat some of it they would um <sighs> they would offer it up they would and i don't know i don't know if they kept any of them um and i didn't believe this and then when i was in my um my late 20s before i gave birth to my thank god i was able to have two beautiful healthy children but um mm. i had to go in for surgery and the doctor came out and said I, I, have you ever been pregnant and i said no because i didn't have a memory then and she said i just had to remove four hours of scar, scar tissue from your uterus and she's like this is impossible you couldn't have not been pregnant multiple like something abort and multiple multiple abortions and i was like no mm. so this is part of what all happened. And there were a lot of kids involved. Um, and I said, I tended to mother 
the, the children. And there was one girl in particular named Sarah. And I, she was very weak willed and very, I think she had a lot, she had a hard time with it. They probably broke her and put, yeah. you know, fractured her into multiples, but you know, they try to break your, I'm not um, saying people who are weak that have multiple, yeah. don't, don't hear yeah, me yeah, wrong. Yeah. Um, not saying but that. she just had a very kind of weak demeanor and I used to really People nurture her. And one day they wanted me to, to do something to her and I wouldn't. And they ended up killing her and they blamed me and they told me it was my fault. They killed her in front of Michelle Oh my gosh. and tried to have her participate. Oh man. I was her best friend who she nurtured that entire time and helped. And, you know, they used to be in the cage together and she'd hold her and sing to her and, pray with her and 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 um they wanted michelle to torture her and michelle said no and so he um he got mad at me salt and pepper because i wouldn't i wouldn't do it and so after he blamed me and i was sobbing and on my knees sorry i have a cat who's very angry she can't be in here so if you hear her in the background he started um, screaming at me and thought he had finally broke me because one of the things they would say a lot is why won't you break why won't you break and they would get very angry with me. Hmm. He put his hand over my head and started waving it around me. And there was a circle of fire that went around me. And um, he started speaking in demonic tongues and chanting and, and doing witchcraft. And I was, I, I felt like I was about to break. Like I just couldn't take it. I taken care of this girl for years and I, I felt personally responsible for her. And I felt just as I was about to break, I felt this surge come up through me. My will came back and I started screaming at him, no, no, no. And when I did that, this circle of fire like disappeared and his hand flung off my head. Mm. And things like that started happening. That was and, the Holy and Spirit. Was, and I had like shivers through me, but I got this, I got my will back. And like, I just had, like, I was still very devastated, but like, I wasn't going to let him win. Hmm. And so these are the kinds of things that were happening. And um, he was kind of befuddled by me and they, they would do horrible things to me like gang rape and sodomy and making me eat their excretions and torture me. Um, trying to break me. And I would always close my eyes and pray hmm. and I would close my eyes and I would, I would kind of stare off in, into the distance, into the corner and I always swore that I saw angels. I don't know if I did, but there was something that kept me somewhat together. I, I will say when I was really little, I did go to Disneyland and Disney World and I was programmed there. They took me into buildings when I was there. And on uh, it's a small world on Splash Mountain and they would do things to me. They, um, they would uh, tell about the Mickey in the room. And the yeah, they had a Mickey Mouse. They would give us plush stuffed animals from Disney. And I'll get back to the warehouse. I just thought this was important. And they had someone dress up as Mickey Mouse and rape us. Um, and I had this like obsession with Disney my whole life and couldn't figure out why. And I just had to purge my home of like thousands of dollars of Disney par you know, merchandise because I was like obsessed with going there and couldn't figure out why. So they, they would take us, they took us to a secret room at Disneyland as well as Disney World. And there was all sorts of programming and movies and rape and torment that went on. Jeez. So th that's part of what happened. And as far as, as the warehouse goes, this stuff just kept going on. So sometimes I would go and they like wouldn't let us eat or drink for like, like my mother was, was involved and my mother would also go away to a summer home we had. So my dad would have free reign of me. Oh yeah. Tell them your parents 
who your mother what didn't graduate high school and your mm-hmm. father didn't and he worked mm-hmm. for the the city uh selling parts the city of niagara falls and yeah. yet they had a a summer home and she would overhear them talking at night about how much money they made. We had multiple cars in a summer home. How much money they made off of Michelle and, and how, when she got her period, they were all so excited. And the, her father, she overheard her father talking to her mother at night. We can make a lot more money now because you know, she's had her period. And so her, but we, we believe very strongly that her entire family, this SRE went back for generations because of the involvement of her grandmother and her parents. And it's like, you know, um, studies have shown that when a mother, you know, when there's SRA involved, when a father abuses, sexually abuses their child, it's different than when a mother does because her mother was involved too. When a mother sexually abuses a child, it's most likely because there's a program in there because it just goes against the very nature of a mother and a child, you know, it's, abomination to what God had intended and created. So a, a lot of times there's a programming in there when a mother sexually abuses one of their children. So anyways, um, so, so this went on and, and then after the, the warehouse went on for a while, they started taking you to these caves mm. and, and they would, they would do ceremonies outside in the woods. And, um, we would, I don't remember, they would drug me a lot. So a lot of times I wouldn't know how or where we got to someplace, how far, how far away it was, but there would be these caves. So they started taking me to these caves. I feel like it was after I I got my cycle that they started taking me to these caves. Uh, It might've been before. I honestly, that part, I don't remember the exact age, but there were these caves and it was, it was underground. We would go down underground and there would be these carved out like caves with the cement slab in the center and they had different rooms and in some of them they had like glass encased like a viewing area over top Mm. and there would be these aliens that came in like these um these like gray looking uh aliens with really long arms and legs and and they would they wouldn't they wouldn't hurt me but they were like studying me in detail and and they would have some more aliens that were up in the glass looking down like watching and they would have my body naked on the slab like strapped down and they would just be like touching my abdomen they didn't sexually abuse me they would like touch my abdomen and like they would talk in a language i didn't understand and then sometimes they would just look at each other and not talk at all but i felt like they were communicating and they would they would touch my abdomen and and um i just felt like they were like looking inside of me or something it was weird there were also other creatures that came in there was a um there was a girl with long black stringy hair and she had like black eyes. And I swore when I looked at her, she was like devoid of a soul. There was nothing to her and her eyes were black and her skin was pale and she would come in, but she would just move so fast. It was like instant the way she would move around the room. Um, and it was like scary. And then there was a, um, a werewolf and the werewolf was probably the scariest of all of them. It, It was like this werewolf creature and he came in the room and just viciously raped me. And um, wow. 
that one was probably the scariest of all of them. And I was drugged for all of these. So, but the werewolf like did damage, like tore me apart. Can I interject? I, I think it's important to, for you guys to know that they did a lot of horrific physical damage, but then they would do what I term demonic healings. They would, well, after the werewolf did that, the salt and pepper came in and put his hand over my abdomen and I'd feel this heat go through me and then it would be a little better. Mm. So I don't know exactly what they did, but again, I know this sounds insane, but like, these are the kinds of things that I experienced. No, um, I mean, Dan, Dan Duvall talked about this on our episodes with him. You know, he said that they, guy, the guy that was burnt to a crisp. You guys had, you guys spoke about that on one of your podcasts. I think it was Dan Duvall was saying that he had a, a gentleman with whom he was working and the guy went through SRA and said they lit him on fire and they burnt him to a crisp and then they demonically healed him. And, but he can still to this day, remember the feeling of being burnt to the, a crisp, even though he was healed. Oh, I remember that on a podcast and I'm sure you have a. Yeah. And then the, you know, there's the other thing too, where when we talked to Tim, Nate, um, the Viracocha one where they, these, these beings would go through these villages and, and they, we don't know if it was angelic or if it was, um, you know, good guys, but they're there or, or the bad guys, but they were doing healings and stuff. And, and there's these ancient, there's these old stories. So yeah, there's something weird to that. Right. And then you go back to Exodus and you look at the, the supernatural power of the magicians in Pharaoh's court, being able to do a lot of things to an extent. And then Yahweh shows like, you can't do this. Like my, my snake's gonna eat your snake and we're going to, we're going to escalate this to a point you don't. So there's absolutely power. And then you have witch doctors, right? I mean, these, there's a lot of precedence for this where, where there's some semblance of supernatural power where that the darkness has. And, you know, I, and I, I tend to think, and this is just my, this is my opinion, obviously. So that it's meant to, you know, to enslave all, all, at the end of the day. Right. So you have this, it's just enough power, just a taste of this enough power that, that it, there's something bad that happens along with it, whether it be a curse or whatever else, because it can't be, if it's done by you know by by darkness, it can't it can ultimately not be good, right? And 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 I wonder if it's just there. Yeah, there's some weird stuff. So I, this is not out of what we find in the biblical context. This is not out of what we hear from anecdotally. So it's just very interesting, right? You guys, you guys are right. Dan has a lot. Dan has a lot of stories about weird things like this as well. Well, I don't think it would be so alluring to that to those people, to the politicians, to the the people of influence, if they didn't have. They didn't receive something more than just accolades. Yeah, that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like they're lured into a a a a, a religion. A you know, and and this this these practices go all the way back. We hear, you know, all over the world, we see these remnants of these these dynasties where they were doing these things, and it's it's not a modern thing. And I think a lot of people think, oh, this is crazy. This is, but this has been going on since since the golden age since since they figured out how they how to unlock sort of how to these rules of the spiritual realm they knew what would they could do to receive something in the spiritual realm and i think that was some of the knowledge that we weren't supposed to have right yeah so there were there were a lot of cryptid creatures and there were a lot in the caves there were like there was like an ant man there was um, a giant a giant giant ant there was a, a, a dog man um, salt and pepper would shape shift into almost a werewolf looking creature, but it wasn't the same as the one who hurt me. Um, he would 
sometimes shape shift, shape shift into somebody with the, these big horns. So th- these kinds of things would happen in the cave. And there were other children in the caves. Like I could hear them down the hall in the caves and they would take us down there for different things. One of the big ones was the ceremonies that they would do out in the woods. And they would, again, drug, drug us and put us in the back of a van. And we would, we would kind of come to out in the forest and they had this, they had a few areas, but they would have a cleared area and they would have a big fire in a, in a slab and, and the cryptid creatures were always at these ceremonies. Wow. Um, so the, lo- the locations of these places, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get a visual on, like you said, there was like some, a warehouse near Niagara Falls. I don't know if it was like, in Niagara Falls. I mean, Niagara Falls is a very small yeah. area, but yeah. there's areas around it that are very, are very um, woodsy. A lot of areas. Mm. There's a lot of open area in Western New York. A lot. Yeah, yeah. So I've been I mean, there. within 15, 20, you've been there. So within 15, yeah. 20 minutes, you could be what's in what's referred to as the Southern Tier, and there's a ton of land. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, I don't know how far they drove, but we would. But you're you're in this. Are you in the same area? Or are they taking you long distances? Or I don't they feel like it was a long distance. I feel like it was a sh- somewhat shorter distance, um, and we would be out in these wooded areas, mm. and um, they would have these ceremonies, and the cryptid creatures would be there. And, and there was one of the biggest nights. They were doing this this whole thing that night with sacrifice, and they had they were all dressed in robes, and they were chanting, and, and they had me on a on a stone altar on a cross and um, they were, they were killing other kids mm-hmm. and they had this huge poker that they had. It was, it looked like fire embers and they were, they were killing the kids with us. Jeez. And I speak of this very monotone because I have to, so please understand that. Yeah. And um, they gave it to me and told me I had to do it. And I wouldn't to which to children. And they kept trying to force me and they put my hands, their hands over mine and forced one of them into the children and killed one of the kids and told me it was my fault. And I just couldn't take it anymore. And and I started um, crying and I just, I started begging God to die. Like I just didn't want to be here anymore. And, And I said, I couldn't take it anymore. And I was done. And they took this poker that they had lifted you up. Oh, they lifted me up on the cross. On a cross. They had her on a cross. And they took this big poker and they put it inside of me and I could feel it tearing me up and I started screaming and I said I was done and and started praying. And I said, I just told God I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I give up. I give up. I'm done. She was 14 years old at this point. And um, at that point, um, I started calling out to Jesus because I didn't know what else to do. And and at that point, I felt this light come down from the sky, and it went through me, and it pushed this, whatever it was they had inside of me, it pushed it out, and it threw salt and pepper back on his on his rear end, and he fell back, and I felt this light just go through me from the, it was like this beam of light from the sky came down. Wow! And I was fading. I was fading out. I felt like I was dying. And when that happened, I, I kind of looked up and salt and pepper was, was seated and he was like dumbfounded sitting there. 
And uh, I don't know if you want to have some Yeah, the, uh, the men, there was all men in robes, and they started running away, and your dad was one of them. Yeah. Um, her father was actually one of the men in the robes, and he ran and just took off through the woods. Um, and the men either ran, scattered, fell to their knees, like, you know, cowering on their knees. Salt and Pepper fell to his knees, started pounding sure. the ground. You can pick it up from there. So screaming, she was mine. She was mine. She was mine. Pounding the ground. How many people are at this ceremony? Is it hundreds? Is it just small group? Is it? There, uh, there had to be at least between 30 and 50. Okay. People at these ceremonies. And I said there were cryptids. There were, there were, there were a lot of men. There, there were maybe one or two women, but they were there to caretake. They weren't there to perform. And, um, and they would kind of like tend to the to the people there, you know, the women. And uh, Michelle started speaking in tongues when the Holy Spirit came through her and pushed that the long stick with the embers that they had shoved up her to kill her. She the, it pushed it out and threw salt and pepper back. But um, she then started speaking in tongues. Mm. And I didn't even know what it was. I just started speaking in tongues, and they the, the ground shook. You, she likened it to the movie. Um, what was that? Movie? Passion of the Christ. Christ when the tear if you, did you down. see that when the teardrop fell after Jesus died on the cross and the ground it shook? Quick, yeah. it, mm -hmm. it felt like the ground started shaking and everyone scattered. And he was like, Salt and Pepper was enraged, enraged. And afterwards, he came after me to touch me, and he flung his hand back like it, like it, like I was on fire or something. But I wasn't. It was like he couldn't touch me. And there was kind of a, a, a manic sort of desperation to them. They took her down off the cross and um, got her into a, a van or a car and brought her to, right? A, it was a van and they brought me back to the warehouse and they strapped me to this seat. And they started like frantically, like for, it, it felt like, like a full day. And men were coming in and out and they were showing me videos and whispering things in my ears and trying to like, basically put as much programming into you. They knew they had to release her. They could, she was untouchable now. She was protected by the, the shed blood of Jesus Christ, right? And the Holy Spirit and which salt and pepper had tested it by trying to put his hand up into her. And he literally got thrown back again. And like his hand was on fire and screaming. And then he was cursing God and everything. So we realized at that point, what we've gathered is that he realized at that point that she was untouchable and she was, she was protected by the Holy spirit and that they had to release her. But before they released her, they couldn't physically touch her, but the only thing they they could do, which was their last straw, last hope or last hope that she would just remain, you know, completely um, unglued and shattered and, and, you know, would self-destruct was to program her frantically for however long they kept her in, in that room after they took her down from the cross and after this incident in the woods um, with the Holy Spirit coming through her and basically saving her. And um, they were frantically trying to program her. And, and Michelle has conveyed to me many times when we've spoken about this, that she could hear them out in the hallway and, and, and it was swearing and cursing and like this frantic mania of like not knowing what to do because as if not... The, they didn't know what to do. And clearly the, the power of Jesus um, was far stronger than anything that they, they possessed or had. So they were trying to frantically program her before they released her because a, this, you know, she's, she's going to survive and probably they know probably remember some of this and they don't want that. They don't want her ever having any sense of self-esteem or they want to, you know, infiltrate her with shame and self-loathing and everything they can to make her, 
go through life not um, fulfilling her potential, her destiny, her ministry, and her purpose. You know, so this is what they're trying mm. to do now. They're in the room. They're they're frantically trying to do whatever they can to her mind. So there was there was that, and and I said they they it was like that night was the final straw. And, and I don't know exactly what or why or how. I just know that even when I talk about it, I can feel that feeling come through mm. me. And it was just like this beautiful feeling. Mm. And um, afterwards in the room, they spent what seemed like an eternity. And even when salt and pepper would try to touch me in any way again, he couldn't touch me anymore. Mm. And he would, he would, he would almost like his hand was on fire. Um, and then they would just stand close to me and they would whisper things in my ears and they put electrodes on my head and they, you know, were having me watch these movies and they were saying all sorts of things in my ear and images, colors, flashing, a lot of colors. Yeah. A lot of colors. And then hypnosis. they would, they would, uh, when I went into the bathroom, I remember they did let me go to the bathroom finally. And there was another child in there. And I remember holding the child and speaking in tongues over the child and like his, his eyes, like he looked up and just kind of looked at me like he was coming alive again and they heard me and they got really angry. And, and so this kind of stuff went on for the remainder of the days that I was in there. And then I was released, but I didn't know I was released. I just knew that I went home, you know? So just to go back to the story you were just describing, do you feel like when you were put on this cross that did it, and this light came down. Did you hear anything? Did did you, or it was just this a feeling? Did you feel like that was the beginning of of the end of this for you? Things ran away. Did these creatures leave? Like I'm just trying to set the scene there. Or what like happened? Scattered. So when the light, like I was at my end, and I was just giving up. I was done. I couldn't. It had been all my life, and she I just I couldn't take it anymore. And I, I I just always had such a strong will. And I could always separate things out and just, you know, even when they, when they killed Sarah, you know, it almost broke me, but it didn't, mm. you know, and this night that about broke me because I never wanted anyone to get hurt. I would rather take it all than let other kids get hurt. And when they did that and blamed me, I felt like that was it. And the pain was excruciating emotionally and then physically as well. And I just started praying to die and I'd never done that before. And so when that, when I was, and then what they were doing physically to me was such torment mm. that when I started to fade out and I was fading out and just telling God, I give up, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Just take me. I'm done. I can't. And then all of a sudden this light came through and it was almost like this, I didn't hear anything. It was a feeling. It was like this peace, but it didn't fit because it was torment all around me. And then there was this like peaceful light that just kind of shot through me and it happened so fast and it threw salt and pepper back with that thing in his hand that was inside of me, tearing me. It threw him back right on his ass mm. holding this. Mm. And all of a sudden I looked up and I'm speaking in tongues and I didn't mm. even know what tongues were. I didn't even know what was happening. And, and I, you know, people, you know, my dad ran away. People are scattered um, some of the people ran, other ones dropped to their knees. Mm -hmm. And then salt and peppers banging with his fist, like pounding the ground, screaming. And I didn't know what was happening. I just knew that my body wasn't tore apart anymore. And I didn't know why. But everything in my body was okay. And it shouldn't have been. Wow. So I knew something really important happened. Yeah. Mm. When these creatures are there at this, this ceremony, are they talking to other people or are they in like a, in their own weird 
worlds or are they they gather with each other they don't it's it's really bizarre but like you know each each species species would stay with their own and they would kind of gather together and they would they would kind of you know communicate i'm assuming with each other you know but they would be gathered together each group and so that's what it was like and all the people all the people that come on our show and describe these things are you seeing like I mean, I saw a werewolf creature. I saw the dog man as a kid and it was in the window of my parents, you know, backyard. And, you know, for years I had the same, I mean, that was it. That was the only thing that happened to me. And it wasn't until like I was probably in in my thirties that I was like, yeah, I saw that thing because I heard other people describing what they saw. And I thought, I just imagined this whole thing. And it's funny how we can even, we can suppress so many memories or just forget things because we just tell ourselves that didn't happen. That's not true. But I always... But it was it was terrifying. I've said this on the show many times. Like Bigfoot doesn't necessarily terrify people. They kind of go, "What? What is that thing?" But these other creatures, these other entities, like Mothman, and how many different things were there around you at that night? Do you remember? I would say at least six or seven different different kinds. I mean, there were so many different things, and that was the last thing that I was able to remember because I really thought it was impossible, and that I was honestly batshit crazy. I thought there was no yeah. way that these kinds of things, that what I was seeing was real. Did you see the, in the? they say a lot, I've had several people on our show talk about these insect, insectolins. They look like praying mantises. Were they there? Yeah, there was something like that. There were spiders, Big, huge, giant, giant spiders. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they would only come into the cave. And then at that ceremony, they weren't in the warehouse. They didn't come into the warehouse. So not that you remember that I that I recall. And they are relegated to the natural uh, nature, you know, outside or under underground or so. Yeah. Do you think they're all controlled, or do you think some of them are out there just kind of roaming around, neutral? The ones I saw, I felt like were controlled. So I'm not sure. I'm sure. I, I, I think anything's possible at this point. But the ones that I saw felt like they were controlled. Hmm. So they had to like come and they like summoned them there or did they create these things? Yeah, mm. I know that's a good question. We, we, we discuss that all the time. Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> the woman with the black hair and the white face and the black eyes was clearly demonic. Um, we feel like the creatures were probably demonic too, right? I mean, we can't, we can't figure it out. We talk about it all the time and we spend, you know, 15 hours, 20 hours a day. And usually we're up all night and we spend all night just talking and talking, trying to make like, we want everything in a category, nice and neat. We want yeah. to, be able to explain everything. Well, this is why this, and this is why that, but we just can't. And mm-hmm. we discuss whether were these uh, aliens and the, 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 big huge ant guy and the praying mantis thing and the big spiders and the um the ones that just looked like weird creatures with like the dog man thing and the the werewolfy type things are they demons just are they are they people shape-shifting into creatures are they demons that have come in um tangible form on this earth or are they uh from a different planet uh we don't even know but it clearly not good and it's not a god that's that's what we know and i ask all these questions because i think a lot of people have a very small view of the darkness and they have a really small view of all of this this is the whole spiritual realm 
And as this stuff is presenting itself more and more, a lot of people's faith is going to be really challenged and shattered because they, they slap demons on everything. Everything's demons. Everything's demons. And I'm like, well, you know, demons probably are just one of many things that are trying to hurt and bring the darkness, you know, advance the darkness. They're, you know, and, and I think you're doing yourself a disservice by, by not listening to people's stories who say, look, this thing did this and this and this. These these grays are coming into my room and they're taking me and they're like lifeless forms or whatever it is, you know. I think I don't think that we're trying to glorify any of this stuff. I just think that, like Luke always says on our show, you got to know your enemy in order to be, to gain ground on them, to have, to go more from defense to offense, to to have the power of God come into you so you can actually begin to make this stuff go away or have some victory over it. Yeah. You know, what we talk about all the time is being on the spiritual offensive and Christians don't know their power in Jesus. And the other thing is that we get so frustrated at is, you know, I, I became a Christian at 14, 14 seems to be a big age by the way with things, but, um, you know, I was taught about, you know, Satan and demons in church, but they don't teach you that, they are alive and well today, and they're in this world, and, and it, they're very active participants in this world. They don't teach you about spiritual warfare. I was never taught about the whys between, behind the what, yeah. you know? I, we don't know as Christians, we're walking around half asleep. Our churches are infiltrated with um, the enemy. The enemy's running. We, we go to church every Sunday, but we see so much that others don't see because we've seen it before we know what to look for we have we do have the discernment of the gift of spirit spirits and we see so much especially in hmm. christianity too and that christians have no idea that as a christian you can become you can have demons in you because not through any fault of your own really i mean just by what we went through we had demons in us and we were by all accounts i mean i was a very good christian no one would ever thought but when i did learned about deliverance i did self-deliverance by the way um which was extremely interesting and you know you're talking to a girl who didn't drink who was a good girl you know what i mean and i didn't do anything and i'm a christian going to church every sunday and you would not believe what came out of me during self-deliverance from the things I've been through and also just other everyday things like, you know, I used to go dancing at clubs. I didn't drink, but I would go dancing at clubs all the time. And, and it's, you know, I'm delivering my, we were on the side of 95 for three hours. I was vomiting up all kinds of crazy things that it wasn't, I don't mean vomit. I wasn't vomiting. Things were coming out of me. And just because of, and this is before I even knew about the SRA, this was because I, you know, through what my dad did to me and through having a, a poster mm. of this on my wall. And when I, when I talked about that in deliverance and I was, you know, binding up and casting out any unclean spirits from that, you would not just from a poster, you would not believe what came out of me when I was talking about going to clubs, and because you know we have ear gates we have eye gates we have mouth gates unclean spirits can get in through this and they don't teach you that in the church they just say don't have sex before you're married and and don't listen to the worldly music but they don't tell you why they don't tell you why and that's what the, we've been learning we it's astounding what we've seen in the spiritual realm by the way i mean not only from our past the abuse but what we've seen since understanding what happened to us and delivering ourselves from it and 
Christians do not know that they, they, everyone needs to do deliverance. Everyone, we all have unclean spirits in us. There's, there's many rooms in our house, in our temple. And demons can reside in everyone. The demon of self-doubt, the demon of, you know, uh, rejection is huge. The demon of, of blame, of guilt. I mean, all these mm -hmm. things that we're feeling, a lot of them mm -hmm. are unclean spirits that have influence over our lives, whether we're perfect Christians like I was or not. Yeah. And I said to myself, if I can have this many because of what I've been through or even just going to clubs or, you know, listening to, you know, I love hip hop. I'm a huge hip hop rap fan. And what came out of me when I delivered myself from that, oh my gosh, I'm like, these poor kids today have no clue. No one knows. Christians don't know. We're asleep. We don't teach it. No one teaches deliverance. No one, Christians can't have demons. Oh, well, yes, they can because we are living proof of it, you know? And, um, mm. And we're still asleep and we, we're not ready for what's coming our way because if we don't believe that demons exist in our, 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 there is a spiritual battle going on every single day and we don't either A, want to know because it's too scary or B, you know, we don't believe it, you know, or C, we're not, we're just ignorant. We're not taught it, but we're so not ready for what's to come. If we are being deceived on such a 101 level, how are we going to be able to discern what is to come? We're, we're so ill-equipped. And what we don't realize is that, you know, Satanists, they don't go after, they're not going after Muslims. They're not going after, you know, I used to think, oh, all lead, roads lead to heaven. But it's really, really is different. Satanic cults, Illuminati, all that kind of stuff. They're going after Christians. Yeah. They're not going after anyone else. They're going after Christians. Why? Because there's power in the name of Jesus. Right. There was power mm -hmm. in that cross at Calvary. There's power in that shed blood. Jesus became the curse so that we don't have to be cursed. You know, of course, he, we all know he died on the cross for our sins. But what? We're not taught all about that. Like, it, it, to us, it doesn't make sense. Like, why would God send his only son, you know, to die on the cross? And we think, like, we're taught that, but we're almost robotic in it. We don't really understand the whys. And they need to start teaching that in the church, but half the churches are infiltrated right. by the enemy. You've got pastors who are freaking mind controlled or who are having secret services on the weekends with satanic cults or they're, you know, or they're just ignorant and worldly and they think Beyonce and Jay-Z are great. Like, you know, it's, 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 we're so overwhelmed when we look at what's going on in the world and how no one a either knows B they don't believe or C they stick their head in the ground because they can't deal. And we're here to tell everyone this stuff is really real. Um, mm. As real as you are a human and we are humans, this is real. It's going on. We need to take note. We need to be armed and dangerous. We need to know the word, the, the written word of the Bible. We need to have our, you know, our, our breastplate of righteousness, our girdle of truth. And, and we need to um, have our weapons of warfare and we need to go on the offensive. We can't be afraid of it either. You know? Yeah. It's a good word. I mean, I, I mean, our last guest this last week, you know, a lot, it, it, he caused some controversy because he was going to some of these satanic parties in Hollywood. 
Oh yes, and and he he specifically said you know he had this demon of rejection in him. I think all humans have it, and it starts in utero. That's the other thing. They start the enemy starts its attack when we're in utero. You know, was your mother not even like you know big things with little things? Was your was it the wrong timing? Like your parents weren't quite ready to have a baby. They were excited, but maybe it was bad timing financially. That spirit of conjection uh, rejection can come in right then and there. Like this starts in. In the womb and that's another thing people don't realize and it doesn't have to be a big thing it could be did the mother have an abortion early on in life then you've got the spirit of murder and the spirit of rejection living in the mother's womb that can affect mm. people's children you know all these things like did was the father you know maybe the mother was excited but the father was like jesus you know I don't know if I can love this child like I do my first child. The spirit of rejection right there. You know, this the enemy is not a gentleman. Mm. The enemy is not a gentleman. They don't play nice in the sandbox. They come in hard and fast any way they can, any way. And you'd be surprised at, like, when we were doing deliverance, some of the smaller things that we thought were more innocuous and benign, how they invited demons in. Just It could be someone that... You know, you waved to down the street and they didn't wave back. And you happened to be feeling really low that day anyway because of other things that were happening. That spirit of rejection is whispering you, the spirit of isolation, whispering in your ear, see, you're not worthy. You know, you're a loser. You're this and that. Those, the things that we say in our mind when we're talking to ourselves like in a, in a derogatory fashion, that's not us. That's not from God. That's the enemy talking to you, you know? And it's everyone has it. We all have it. We all need to be dealing with it. Wow. I feel like on people listen to our show now, they, they can hear you because I think we've taken three years now to kind of lay out the framework. If people have been on this journey with us from the beginning, the more this stuff is true and these, these creatures are out there and they slowly start to understand that there's a whole world that they don't, that they don't know and there's no rules and the church has been sort of spiritually neutered and and i think satan has done a good job at that because you know like you said if we don't know who we're fighting against and we start you know a lot of christians are so hard on themselves because like you said you know and i, I really like your words on 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 calvary because i've i've come to similar thoughts that you know yes jesus is dying for our sins but there also was this curse put on humanity and there's so much more happening that day, you know, you have, I mean, like you said, when the last tear, and we watched the passion, this, this drop falls on the ground, and then suddenly it's like, everyone's like, oh, they instantly, they're like, this was the son of God, right? What just happened? What did we just witness? There was so much going on, and then, and then to have your own experience of them, you know, them trying to put you on a cross, and then this, the light comes from the, and God shows up, and and saves you and rescues you and then they and they are mad they are angry because they know at the end of the day you know they don't have they don't have the thing they want and their power is limited yeah. and i and i think it's just i think if christians understood we get we get so many emails and i think this is why because people are waking up to the fact that wow you know like <laughs> the world is is more like a movie than I ever thought. It, the, all this stuff that they that we think is make believe and pretend is not, and it's just only for some reason it, it it's just hidden from all of us. And so I feel like there's so much here. There's so much we can dive into. There's for some reason just talking about creatures seems to be for a lot of people like just the beginning of them beginning to un accept. Okay, 
if this one creature is out there, maybe there's multiple creatures out there. If there's multiple creatures out there, where do they come from? And is there somebody behind all of this? And is Satan at the top of this weird web of darkness? And we're like, yeah, he is. And he's prowling around. I just want to say thank you, and I commend you guys for for surviving and getting through all of it. And I think now Luke and I understand why they say it's a sur- you know, survivors because of what they do, and it's it's, it's horrible. Yeah, it's it's also unimaginable that you know, and then you and then it makes a lot of things make sense, right? The way just the agenda that that seems to be after our kids, that you know, oh, yeah. oh, it's, it's so much more overt than I feel like it was when when we were kids, for example it's like the darkness is out in the open and and they don't care. And, and then to hear this is just, it's heartbreaking. And being dads and Nate and I both have, have kids. It's like, it makes you want to weep. I, I, you know, so I I don't, it's amazing that you're here talking about this. Like, and it's amazing that you, you're able to find the strength. I totally understand like having to disassociate some of this stuff so you can talk about it because I can't imagine going back there emotionally and, and not having it fracture you completely. Like it's, yeah. It's horrific, and, and you know what I mean. <laughs> What's impressed upon me is that it, nothing is new under the sun. This is this is age old. We talk about ritual beds and and the things that happen on top of ziggurats. Or we talk when we talk to Derek uh, Gilbert Nate about the threshing floor, the things that happen there, or the bed or the bed of Agabashan, and these are where they did their they practiced their occult sex magic in the ancient mm-hmm. times, right? And these were mm-hmm. this was the you know the nephilim and the and the creation of these of these hybrids yeah. happened in in these things and then you talk about the babylon the babylon project that with uh, that that went on in the 60s and they they're trying to you know do this again do it now and it never stopped and i and i, I, I think we would be remiss to think that it did stop for whatever reason or the, or that this just or this is fanciful or something it's it's, it's insane it, but I, I think this is a hard thing for people to wrap their heads around a lot of people would prefer to stick their stick their heads in the sand and, and pretend like this doesn't happen, even in the Christian, much in the Christian space, and it's why we get some pushback on these some of these episodes. Nate is that it, it busts people's paradigm to think that this is happening today, or and it's still happening, and this is happening to kids. Whether it be what Richie talked about in the Hollywood parties or the horrific things that both mm-hmm. of you went through, like these, this is very real. And and you know how you you know how you destroy the darkness is you expose it, light, yeah. you shine light on it. I mean, this is. Thank you for for sharing this because it's uh, as difficult as it is. I, I do believe that God uses our testimonies, however small or however horrific. You know, the Bible says that God can use all things, uh, can make all things for good for those who put their trust in Him, and that that is what is. I feel like the, you know, we live serve a God who's in the business of redemption, and He even has redeemed your stories. Look at you guys. You, look at you both sitting here. You know, talking about your faith in Christ and your and, your, and being delivered from this. It's remarkable. I just, I wanted to, to I'm not trying to be a hero because no, no. I'm not, but I just I wanted to give hope to some people because I've sat on the other end and listened to testimonies of people and just thought, my God, I wish I could connect with someone because you feel like you're alone with this stuff, you know, like it's so, it sounds so insane, you know, that it's like hard to find people that have been through it and understand. And so I was hoping to just give hope to someone to help you know, people just know that they're not alone, you know, if, if they're listening and struggling with it. And so that, that was my hope right. as well. 
and there's millions of them out there, millions and millions, but there's millions of SRA survivors who are alone, yet there are millions of them. So mm. if they, if we can give them the courage to, we were, you know, we talked about, we're like, we're not even going to hide our names because we're not afraid of the enemy. Mm. And mm. we are um, not going to distort our voices because we're not afraid of the enemy. And we mm. have the power of Jesus Christ. And if there's others out there, even if, you know, most of them probably won't even know what had happened to them, but whether they know it or not, I think this is going to resonate with them uh, on some level. And if it does just know that um, there is a God who loves you and who has a son who died for you, who can redeem you, make you whole, edify you, consecrate your body, purify you, um, Mm. redeem you and heal you. And and it, you're welcome to reach out to us. Um, there are so many others out there who are feeling the same way you do, like you can't tell or you're not worth it or you have this shame or guilt or you hate yourself or you have a, a you know, a death programming or self-destructive programming or an addiction programming. And you can break all these through Jesus Christ. I mean, this woman right here, my best friend who God has blessed me um, with is a walking, talking miracle as far as I'm concerned and as far as God's concerned. And, um, you know, I have my own stuff too, but, and I would consider myself a walking miracle as well, but this woman is so brave and she was so scared to come on today because there's been tremendous retaliation anytime you know, we, we've encountered plenty of demons in the past year um, in physical attacks and all kinds of attacks. Um, but <clears throat> we know that our God is um, more powerful and we have faith and we have the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible has commanded, Jesus has commanded us, mm. it's not Old Testament, it's stuff for today to go out to um, lay hands on the sick and heal them and cast out demons. And that's what mm. we're trying to do too but and this is all very biblical and this is for today it's not today the the fight in the spiritual battle is very real but we want everyone Mm. who's listening if you don't believe it that's okay if you don't believe our story that's okay but it's true it's real as god is our witnesses and um we um hope that this story can touch and help even if it's just one person it would have been worth it well i mean on our show we've you know we heard trent Trent came on and Trent was kind of contracted by the government to go down in some of these deep underground military bases. And he talks about seeing kids down there and seeing these giant insect creatures who were eating kids and people were like freaking out about that episode. And then Daniel Duvall came on our episode and he said that these politicians would shapeshift and they would do horrible things to them. And then they would have supernatural healing. They would put them back together and put them. And so our listeners just, you know, they rumble in in our, in the back end of our, you know, just some of our chat feeds and such. And they talk about it. And they, I think a lot of people have a hard time expanding their, their understanding of that they're, 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 they're a a spiritual being having a human experience. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so we, we humanize everything to the point where it's like we're so skeptical that anything outside of this little narrow view of what it means to be a human and what we're what what we're experiencing goes on that when people say hey this happened to me they go oh no you're it's probably it's a good thing to be skeptical like we bring doctors and we bring people along 
who've done their 10,000 hours and we don't just throw anything out there that it's not good to just believe everything, but I think we've heard a lot of your story in different little episodes we've done. So I, if you've been on the journey with us, you know, I think a lot of people are going to be like, wow, okay. And I think everyone's story helps everyone else's story. Your story helps Richie, the barber's story kind of make more sense and it helps, you know, Daniel Duvall's ministry make more sense. Like why is Dan Duvall involved in a specific ministry? And then it helps some of these people who've been abducted by aliens their whole life. What are they doing? They're taking blood. They're taking, why are they doing this? You know, they're experimenting on them. Like it's a science room and people go, man, this is like out of, this is out of a bad movie, but it's, it's not. And for some reason they want to come on our podcast and talk about it. And and, and we feel thankful that, that whatever we've created here, you know, people feel comfortable to share. And Luke and I don't know how to relate at all. And, and uh, we're just, in some ways, these episodes aren't easy for anyone to hear. You know, it's not, it's not something that everyone wants to, you know, sit down and, and crack into this because it's, it's hard to tell it and it's hard to hear it. And it's probably hard to listen to it as a listener out there. But, but I think we're all parents and we're all, or grandparents, or we're going to be parents and we need to protect these kids. And I think that's why there's so much emphasis on youth in the Bible. Like if you do things to these kids, there's going to be a, we're going to tie a mill around your neck because, because I think even Jesus knew back then they were doing this to children. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's um, terrible. That's one of the Bible verses I I spoke to Michelle about when we were first talking about all the Mm. children that they you know forced you know they forced you to harm children and kill children and that was one of the bible verses that we spoke about the millstone is it would be worse to have a millstone around your neck and and um but you know we thank you guys for being able to because we know i know you know that your podcast started out as a bigfoot one and and the, the it's it's such a blessing and i'm very grateful that you guys were um willing to deter off that path and go on to other paths maybe where God was leading you. And I think what you're doing is huge. And I think it's going to get bigger and bigger and it's going to reach more people and more people. And as you said, each story kind of builds and, 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 and validates maybe a prior story or a future story, you know, and we're all um, sort of interwoven together. Everyone who's telling their story (laughs) on your podcast but we're very thankful that you guys were, um, we were nervous reaching out to you because we weren't sure if it was the right thing to do because we're, we're, you know, we don't know if things are controlled up either, you know? And, um, but um, we did pray about it and we're like, well, if Mm. they get back to us, they get back to us. If they don't, they don't. We forgot about it. For the record, it was her idea. (laughs) She's the one that sent the email. She's the one who's like, come on, Michelle, you can do this. Come on, Michelle. And I'm like, all right. So, yeah, I, I appreciate that. I mean, I, like we started the Journey podcast, and and I think we wanted we wanted to know, like, okay, let's get better answers for these things. And I think that sometimes you you know, like a scientist, you have to okay, if the evidence is pushing us this direction, we have to follow it, right? And I think it takes a certain stubborn person to be like, well, if this is where we're going, then we have to stay stay the course. It's easy to shape shape something into what you want it to be and it's really hard to let the let the data push you in that direction and the, and the sra stuff continues to come back on our show and you know I, I i don't know if i don't know how people react when they listen to it but i think luke and i feel 
that it's all connected. I mean, you're saying these creatures are showing up around you. They're coming out of the woods. They're coming out of wherever. And, and, and it seems like there is some structure to that. And most people come on our show just had one encounter where they see it for a split second and then it's gone. And then they sort of wonder the rest of their life, like, what was that? Is that, you know, where's, where is that coming from? And then people who are in like involved more see this stuff as if they're hired. They're a part of it. They're, they're on the payroll and they show up and it's like, well, how does that make sense? And that, that's hard for people because some people are willing to say, okay, these creatures exist. They're out there. Maybe there's some sort of animal or whatever. But when you start, when people come on our show and start saying, well, no, no, these things were a part of the rituals and they were showing up and they were, then it's like, it's a whole nother level. Then it's like, okay, wait a minute. Not only do I have to believe this thing is real, but it's, but it's being used and it's, 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 how does that make any sense? And I think that's the harder thing. That's the next level of acceptance of, of it's deeper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's hard. That's, that is probably the most perplexing of all this. Like, did you see, and my, one of my last questions, did you see any Nephilim creatures? Did you see any giants? Did you see any of the, the human hybrids that are? Yeah. Yeah. I've seen, um, <laughs> I've seen uh, a lot of different things that have come through that cave and those ceremonies and yeah, they're very real. Mm. Yeah. Cause we see, we, we talk about that a lot and that's a, that's a big, that's where the show sort of started to get into the weeds for us. Um, Cause people still run into these things and, and there's just a debate if they still are around, if they still exist. Yeah. Yeah. They're still around. They still exist. Mm. It's wild. I mean, Sorry, I know it's not uh, a Gen, Gen Six, right? Gen Genesis six. six, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we, if you want, we can do another. You know, we kind of we can do another episode and kind of get into. I know there was a lot of things you described in the beginning about things like Disneyland and other stuff. There's probably a whole other podcast here. Yeah, I'm um, sorry. I, I tried to be as concise as I can. Mm-hmm. This is the first time I've really. She's yeah. never talked about spoken this. about this to anyone aside from me. And the reason I did is because I love that you this is a Christian, you know, mm-hmm. podcast. That, that's important to me. But I've never talked about this before. So I'm open to if you, you know, have questions or you want to do another episode or, you know, just pick my brain. Yeah. And I'm a- happy to answer. I don't always know the direction to give you, so please feel free to pick my brain and No no problem. I'm an open I think problem. I think sometimes these the, the introductory episodes just kind of get in and and it's really hard. You guys just you know where to where to where do we go? Which rabbit trail do we sure. go down? And I'm sure. Yeah, there's a lot of and I, yeah, I mean you're so much stuff is being ex- expressed and shared, and I think Luke and I just want to sometimes just let people tell their story and not yeah not try to get too in depth about one specific part of the story. Right. If that makes sense. I understand, but I said you're welcome to. If you want to do another one, I'm certainly open to that, and I would be happy okay. to, right. to give you whatever info I have. You know, that was awesome. This was great. Yeah, you're giving people like us a voice, and that's really important. So, yeah, and that's that's something that I I think you I didn't realize how many. I mean, when you say millions, I don't think most of us realize how many people are. You know, tonight there's a. a book there's a couple of books i mean you can't find books on this stuff because they're all scrubbed but we have a couple but um there's one um monarch um programming book 
And it talks about how, or maybe, well, there's a couple of books out there, but they were talking about back in the early 90s, there was millions of uh, monarch uh, programming, programmed people um, still living that had gone through that torture and the the SRA and the monarch programming and um, there were millions. So um, I'm going to say there's a lot more than that today since 30 years later, you know? Mm. Sorry to hear. Yeah, we. I think we should. I think we should dive in next time if you want to come back on and and, and kind of hone in on more specifics and help people understand because and maybe help people kind of know how to uh, look out for things or or have some sort of awareness of when something like this might be happening to somebody they know or, or I don't know. I don't know how to. Yeah, I could definitely give you some insight into yeah, that, yeah. but um. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, just if you come with questions, it'll help. Sometimes I'm better with, she's my question asker. So a lot of times I hit her to answer because, you know, but um, but if you ask questions, I will give you as much detail from my heart that I have, you know. Mm. And then, Thank you, um, ladies. Once yeah. you stop the recording, I have something to ask you guys. Okay. No problem. Well, thanks. We'll, we'll do it again if you want. We'll, we'll get into it. We can... Um, give people a little more context of your kind of things you said and I'll go back and listen when I edit usually when I'm editing the shows I go back I'm like I should have asked that I should have asked that you know that's like that's always 20 right and you think about it and you're like man I should have asked this or should you know should have said this yeah okay and I I really appreciate you guys giving a a voice to this and thank you for what you do because there's so many unheard voices that need to be heard and that ours our intent is for that to happen and for everyone to to be able to have the chance to heal from what they've gone through and to know what they've gone through too because if she's still recovering i mean the memories there's probably millions of more memories that she doesn't remember and that i don't remember and you know they're they're coming like you know once a week a flood of memories so they're always there's always more (laughs) unfortunately yeah yeah michelle and cheryl thank you so much for for being willing to talk about some of these things i know it's horrific to like you know hear and 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 to experience and i i, I you know a lot of bravery and and I'm, I'm glad that god has has held you close through through all of these things and just being a parent and, and knowing how you feel about your children i just can't imagine how god feels when this stuff is happening to his children yeah that's what we and, think. and it's just it's it's horrible but Let's do it again. Let's yeah. appreciate you guys and um, and th- thank you for coming on Blurry Creatures and and giving us a little bit of an insight into some of these things that that nobody wants to talk about and you know even admit that's out there. So, well, thank you, guys. Yeah, yeah. Thank, you. thank you, thank you, Luke. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Yeah.